You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and I'm excited to have Brandon McKenzie as a special guest on the podcast today. He is the director of the Harvest House of Prayer in Columbus, Georgia, which is part of a ministry called Take the City, and they're seeing God do some amazing things there. It's, an, it's a beautiful convergence of prayer, worship, along with evangelism and missions. And so if you have a heart of an intercessor, a worshiper, or a heart of an evangelist and a missionary, either way, you're going to love today's episode. Uh, you're going to hear some encouraging stories. You're going to hear probably some of Brandon's struggles and pioneering the ministry there and the house of prayer there. But ultimately, I think this episode is going to encourage you all as you seek to experience and host God's presence in your own life. Again, because we believe God's presence changes everything. And we're happy to have you listening to the podcast today. Thank you for tuning in. Brandon, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to to be on the show. Yeah, man. So I feel like I'm uh, I'm famous right now. So. <laughs> Oh man, definitely not famous, but I do want to celebrate what God's doing there in Columbus, Georgia, because it's amazing. We got to connect through Andrew Chalmers, who's the founder of Take the City, the ministry there where where you're based. And I don't remember how many years it's been, but I remember Andrew coming to me just saying, hey, there's this guy who's going to be leading our house of prayer here in Columbus. You know, I've been sending him all your stuff. (laughs) I think you guys should connect. And uh, so at some point we started having conversations and it's been great to just track with you off and on over the years and, and, and see your journey there. So, yeah, man, I, that seems like so long ago. <laughs> um, but it, when you said that, I was like, man, it feels like at least like seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Three years of pioneering feels like six years of life. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it, man. Yes, for sure. Yeah, totally. Then, then that was the COVID. That was the year of COVID right, too. So right. totally got totally like uprooted my whole family from Florida. And, you know, so just even the part of like me loving the ocean and everything, <laughs> being in Columbus, far away from the ocean. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into that. Uh, maybe before we do, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your own journey, just coming to Jesus, coming into ministry because I know you've been on quite a ride and I think even your own story and testimony is pretty powerful. So maybe just take a minute, just kind of introduce yourself and and share us with us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely, man. So I think I've shared a little bit just in our relationship together, but born in the Bible Belt, you know, grew up, you know, every Sunday I would go to church and I grew up Southern Baptist, which I love Southern Baptist. Like to this day, I will listen to John Piper, you know, like I still love the Baptist church and I thank God for those foundations, but I just never saw like the, the power of God, like to be quite honest with you. And so, you know, my parents were very good people. Like I honor them. They were very moral people and, oh man, I love my parents to this day, but something like in my heart, like just growing up, I remember like even at a young age, just asking like the deeper questions of life, like, why are we here? You know, what, what happens after we die? Questions like that and just deep heart cry, you know, I, I, even at the age of six, you know what I'm saying? I remember as far back as the age of six, just asking those questions and never really like having uh, those questions met or addressed or answered. 
intellectually maybe in a sermon i might have heard it here or there but there was a deep longing in my heart that was just never satisfied i grew up um very much like a righteous person when my friends went off and like smoked weed i, w- I would be the guy that was like super mad yeah. you know in middle in middle school and high school i'd be super like indignant like why why are you guys being idiots you know right but at the age of 17 i was a skateboarder i got into surfing and skating nice um in florida I really gave my life to that. I found, you know, what I was passionate about. I loved it. But at the age of 17, I tore my ACL. Like I was trying to do an ollie or something off of a ledge. And it was a simple trick. I never should have tore my ACL, uh, but I did. And when I, I tore my ACL, they prescribed me pain medication. And at the same time, another situation was happening with a girl that I had a crush on who broke my heart. Mm. And so at the age of 17, never having that void of meaning met in my heart, except for surfing and skating, that was my world. And so like having that taken away and then being prescribed pain medication, you know, a girl breaking my heart. So you had kind of a perfect storm there. Um, And I basically just said, you know what, like, I don't find any meaning to this life. You know, if I can't surf and skate and I, I just was really had no purpose, had no drive, had no meaning. I mean, at the age of 17, I just remember saying like, I'm going to go off and I'm going to, I'm going to do drugs and I'm going to give myself to drugs. Um, and so nobody peer pressured me. Like I just made that decision. I, it was just like, I had no meaning. Um, and so I did that for years and like, I don't want to go into the details, but just basically that's exactly what happened. You know, a year later I was homeless. I was 18 years old. Wow. And then a couple of years later, I was in a relationship just addicted to cocaine, addicted to opiates, completely just broken, man, at a young age. Um, and this girl, uh, you know, I got her pregnant. Um, we were not married. We were not living a godly lifestyle, but I got her pregnant. And so I did have strong feelings for this girl. So I decided to, to get engaged and to propose. And then I would join the army because I wanted to get my life together. And I didn't know any other way to do it. But my friend had joined the army. I saw, you know, his life seemed to be changed by joining the army. So I just made a like an impulsive decision. I was going to join the army. And between the time that I signed the papers and between the time that I shipped out, the girl that I was in love with that was going to have my child had a miscarriage um, and then dumped me. Mm. And so I shipped off into the army, completely heartbroken, completely yeah. devastated, addicted. And so I spent a couple of years in the army and just one of the darkest seasons of my life just a lot of demonic like torment actually like looking back i realized you know i remember just being suicidal and having these intrusive thoughts and now i know that that was an assignment on my life yeah but i have an identical twin brother and this is kind of a big part of my story he also was an addiction like alongside of me and he went to a ministry called teen challenge when i was in the army so when i was in the army he was in this place called teen challenge i knew nothing about this place Uh, My parents told me, you know, he's really getting his life together. Like um, he's finding God and all this stuff. And I remember just kind of turning on my nose at that, like, (laughs) because I'd seen people go through recovery ministry before and they don't change. Mm -hmm. They still are addicted to cigarettes. They still talk the same. There's no true like interchange. Right. And I didn't see him the whole year he was there. Well, 10 months he was there, but I just so happened to get kicked out of the army. I failed a drug test. I got kicked out a week before Christmas in like 2010. And my twin brother had a Christmas day pass uh, from a place called Teen Challenge. And so when he had a pass, I was able to spend like a full 24 hours with him. 
first of all, I, I'm in the truck. My parents drag me. They make me go hang out with them because yeah. they, they know that God's changed his life and they're like trying to set me up so I can yeah. get the gospel. And he, this dude was on fire legitimately. Um, and I see him walk out of the recovery ministry. We're picking him up. I'm in the truck. I'm withdrawing. I'm in, I'm just depressed. I'm anxious. I just want to like run as far as I can away from my parents. I wanted to get out of the truck and run away. But when I see my brother come out of this program in Tallahassee, Florida, he was walking towards the truck. I don't know how else to explain it, but he was like glowing, man, mm. with the presence of God. It was like his countenance. Yeah. Like at the moment I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, man, dude, this dude doesn't even look like the same guy. Yeah. Um, and I spent a full 24 hours with him and just so observing him and just hearing what he was talking about. When he would talk about the word of God, there was like depth. Like God was speaking to him in Genesis. I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but he was like sharing revelation with me, yeah. this, how God's speaking to him in the Bible, man. And then a full 24 hours later, so that was Christmas Eve. On Christmas Day, my parents bought him a Louis Giglio DVD, okay. like a sermon on DVD. Yeah. I was like, what a dork, you know? He's got a sermon on DVD. <laughs> um, but I was just listening, man, to Louis Giglio from Atlanta, Passion, an amazing preacher. I, I still love, he's, what a great communicator. But I was just listening to him talk about like Romans in the book of Romans, how the father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he's preaching on this. And like the whole time I'm having this experience where I feel like 10,000 pounds are on my chest. Um, and I'd never experienced like the conviction that I was feeling in that moment. But I had heard this message like my whole life. I'd heard the gospel my whole life. Yeah. But I thought that you know, it didn't make sense because I was withdrawing. I was in like the lowest place that I could possibly be. And in my mind, I remember just thinking, there's no way I'm going to ever find God. There's no way I'm going to ever get my life right. But when I was hearing him preach the gospel out of Romans, it was like, like a, a thirsty person in a desert, like getting water, man. And it was like, oh my gosh, it finally makes sense. Yeah, I'm at the lowest place I could possibly be. And just the lights went, went on and I was waiting for the sermon to end. I wanted to break down crying like the whole time, but I didn't want my parents to see me crying. Yeah. And I, I didn't want it. Like I honestly, I was like, wanted to, I still wanted to run away. I didn't want to change, but it just increased the whole time he was preaching the sermon, that feeling of conviction, like just got heavier and heavier and heavier to the point where as soon as the sermon ended, I literally got out of the couch and I ran, I ran out the door. It was a screen door. Hmm. I ran from God. Like yeah, this is how my, you know, this is not a great salvation story. But it is though, because it, as soon as that uh, screen door slammed behind me, the, the presence and the power and the fire of God fell on my life, man. And oh, it was like Jesus was touching my head. It was like everything, like these years of sin and just torment and addiction, anxiety, depression was just falling off me. And I was weeping, just, I was just under the power of God right there and like on the grass, just weeping. I could not stop crying. And for like an hour and a half, just shaking under the power of God and weeping and I felt like if I would have opened my eyes, I would have seen Jesus. Like it was that real to me. And he just, he told me, he's like, you're going to go to Teen Challenge and you're going to, you're going to be discipled there. Um, and so I went to this place called Pensacola, uh, where Brownsville Revival happened. Yeah. And I went through Teen Challenge there and I fell in love with, with God, man. And it's, you know, it hasn't been a perfect walk, but over a decade later, you know, I just, my life has never been the same. That's incredible. I love that, man. What a messy and beautiful story of Jesus's redemption uh, in in all of that. I love that. And so you get on fire for Jesus, get saved, get heading in the right direction. Uh, how did you end up in Columbus, Georgia, leading Harvest House of Prayer? 
So I knew Andrew Chalmers. Uh, I met him uh, when in my Teen Challenge days. Okay. Because he has a similar testimony. You know, the guy who founded uh, the ministry that I worked for, Take the City. Yeah. He, you know, God really marked him. He was also an opiate addict and he went through a uh, Teen Challenge in Texas. And so we both graduated. We didn't know each other, but we both went to the same Bible college, which was for uh, graduates of Teen Challenge. Um, it was kind of like a YWAM school of missions and ministry. And so with, that's where we met. Gotcha. We kind of went our own ways though. We were there for a few years. We really saw God move. Like, you know, he would preach, I would lead worship. And we, we really had like a deep friendship and we saw God move using our testimonies and just preaching the gospel and just being on fire for the Lord. Uh, but I went, you know, kind of a, another way. And then he, he got called here to Columbus, Georgia. And yeah. so we kind of spent some years apart. And then in 2020, I was still with Teen Challenge and I had a vision, you know, I had my wife and kids and we had a long-term vision to be in Orlando in recovery ministry because I, I felt like God called me to that, to help addicts come out of addiction. So we had a long-term vision. We were very planted there and rooted and we were not going anywhere, but God just kind of, in 2020, COVID-19 happened and there was like a lot of doors that just shut in our face. And we spent like a week just praying and fasting and Long story short, there were there were three other ministries on the table, and God really distinctly said, "This is where you belong." And yeah. the house of prayer here at Take the City showed me the house of prayer, man. And I was like, "All right, this is what I want to do." That's amazing. Well, it's been so cool to see. I mean, I, I'm remembering some of our early conversations, and the the whole idea of a house of prayer was so new to you, and you were learning. One of the things I appreciate about you, Brandon, is how diligent you are to learn and to study and to grow and you do have a hunger and a desire and it's gone from you asking me a lot of questions and not even really knowing a whole lot about a house of prayer to now I'm reading the stuff you're posting on your social media and I'm like this is amazing revelation and it's really encouraging and ministering to me and I love it so uh you know give people a picture of now 3 years in you said you guys opened a prayer room maybe might help to give some context to take the city, what it is, and then kind of how Harvest House of Prayer fits into the mix of that ministry. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org.
org to sign up today. Yeah, so Take the City is an evangelistic ministry. It started as a one-time event. It was supposed to equip Teen Challenge right. to do evangelism and to make it really practical. And the, um, they would pray and then they would go out. So they'd take the uh, like six hours and do consecutive worship and prayer the night before. And then the following day, they would hit the streets. And so really quickly, like within a year, God just moved, take the city out from a ministry under Teen Challenge and made it its own entity. And really the leadership of Teen Challenge said, you know, we bless this, God's in this. And so it started as a movement, really a, an evangelistic movement. But it always had that worship and prayer as part of it, because you said the night before it was six hours, right, of worship and prayer. So, Absolutely. The reason why is because it, when we were both in Teen Challenge at that Bible college, we would come up here to Columbus, Georgia, because this is where Teen Challenge headquarters is. Gotcha. Um, and there's a little group from the, the House of Prayer in Atlanta, and there was uh, Aaron Swanger. No, you, are you talking about Gate City? They came up from Gate City? Yeah, Gate City now, but they came down and really just equipped uh, the students to do that. And so I did have a, a grid for the House of Prayer, but gotcha. nowhere near what I what I do now. I definitely didn't know how to start a House of Prayer, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> so, But now we have a coffee shop. We just do like do tons of outreach, just creative ways. We have an initiative called Redeem Outreach, um, where we equip believers to go out on Friday nights, one Friday night a month, and we would give roses to women that are caught up into like sex trafficking and, you know, work at strip clubs and just really targeting like broken women. We feel like there's women at the well in our city that can take a city if they just heard the gospel, you know, because the woman at the well in the Bible, like she took a whole city just by encounter, one encounter with Jesus. And so we, we do that once a month. We have monthly outreaches, but the coffee shop kind of funds everything we do. And then right in the center of our, our mission space is the house of prayer. Yeah, it's a really cool spot. It's been a couple of years since I've been there, but I love the setup. You, I mean, it's literally that the coffee shop on the front end, and then the prayer room is right behind it. And then you've got all your offices, and it's kind of in a um, part of town where there's a lot of need. It's obvious and good place to to be to minister to help people. And I know you guys are are right in the middle of it. I know a lot of people have actually moved into that area in order to minister and to help people there. So it's a, it's a really neat ministry, and I was so encouraged that there was going to be a house of prayer as part of it. I think one of the unique dimensions of what you guys are doing is your intense focus on evangelism and outreach, and then prayer going along with that. And, and I would say mo- most houses of prayer have a value for outreach and evangelism, but you guys really bring those together in a unique way. So what's that like? I mean, some people say there's like a tension you know, or they're, you know, oh yeah, we need to get outside of the four walls, stop praying so much. Or then some people are like, you know, your, your outreach isn't effective because you're not praying enough. And so it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how, do, how are you guys, you know, working that out there within your ministry? Yeah, definitely with tension. Um, <laughs> there's lots of back and forth, con- you know, because some people on our team are really bent towards evangelism. Right, And then those people get a healthy dose of the prayer room. And then some people are more intercessors and, and worship leaders and singers and musicians. And even they, you know, get a healthy dose of evangelism. But it's really just intentionality of being like, you know, hey, we like Acts all throughout the book of Acts. Like mm. we read the Bible, 
and, you know, me, somebody that's an introvert, you know, I, I might not seem like it. I've learned social skills over the years, but I am a high introvert and just that. being painfully shy as a kid. And, but I tend to, you know, lean towards being in the presence of God. And I also sing and play guitar and I'm a worship leader. And I, so I definitely am a prayer room guy, but like, I just have personally a high conviction, man, that Jesus said what he said at the end of his ministry. He said like one thing and he said, go and make disciples. And to me, I've just, since coming to the Lord and since being delivered out of addiction, oh man, I just live with like a healthy fear of like, I really want to obey. And even if that's outside of my comfort zone, and even if I am an introvert, it looks different uh, than somebody who's like Andrew, who's like, he's more of an evangelist. He's more of an extrovert and a guy who can really just boldly, you know, preach to somebody at Walmart yeah. and strike up conversations and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's looked more like a prayer walk, you know, more like, mm. to be honest with you, like, if we can make it really practical, I've implemented prayer walking, you know, so being with Jesus in the prayer room, getting to know him, how he leads, you know, um, and being in his presence. And then like putting it on my calendar that says, hey, this is my time once a week where I'm going to go in my neighborhood and I'm just going to follow, like f I call it follow the leader with the Holy Spirit. I love that. So I'm just following him. I'm just like making myself open and I'm not looking for anything to happen, but I know that he really cares about people. And I know that he really cares about the Great Commission. I just follow him and he always leads me to somebody. It's usually like one or two people over the course of an hour of me prayer walking. But I'll always walk away with these really cool like stories with, yeah. with people. Well, give us give us one. What what are some of the things that you've seen as you've done that? One of the stories that comes to my mind is I wasn't even really on a prayer walk. Yeah. Um, but this is like the most recent story that I have. Sure. I feel like it's from prayer walking and like learning his presence. Like he he speak you know, he can drop it on me at any moment he wants right. to. Yeah. Does that make everywhere sense? You, so, everywhere you go becomes a prayer walk. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Uh, so I'm in a Walmart and I'm shopping with my wife and we're getting uh, supplies for the coffee shop here because she manages the coffee shop. We, yeah, we have to restock the supplies. And so we separate because we only have like a certain amount of time. And so we're covering more ground. Um, and so she's at the front of the store uh, in the produce aisle. And then uh, she sends me back to get a uh, creamer or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But I was back there in the the frozen section and like it was really quiet in this certain area of the store. I'm like, this is like creepily quiet. Like there's nobody. It was really crowded like everywhere else. I was like, but I immediately like felt the Lord in it. You know, I'm like, mm. I feel like there's something for me here. And so I just kind of like become aware and I'm, I'm kind of listening to his voice. But I see this one guy uh, who's a, an employee. He's like a young guy. He's 20 years old or something like that, like a younger guy. He's restocking the back of the Walmart, but he's got like a cart and he's um, stocking the shelves and things like that. And I don't see what I'm looking for. I go first, I go to what I'm looking for, the creamer, and I don't see it on the shelf. So I'm like, okay, let me just ask this guy. Um, and so he goes back and he looks, he looks for the, the creamer. And I just hear like clear as day, the Lord's like, I just want you to share your testimony. And it was like early in the morning and I was super not in the mood at all to hear that. And I'm like, yeah. all right, you know, I guess maybe I'll do it. And <laughs> he comes out and he hooks me up. He, he has what I'm looking for. And then my heart is just getting faster and faster, beating faster and faster. And when that happens, I know that it, he's not going to let me get away with it. Because yeah. if I walk away from it and I don't do it, it'll like, it'll mess with me all day. Yep. 
And so I just did it. You know, I was like, I just shared my story. I shared real quickly, like 15 second little testimony about how God was like, Hey man, like, I just want to share. I feel like the Lord is telling me to share my testimony. Like God delivered me from years of drug addiction. And for years I went to recovery and I was looking for uh, freedom and I found it in Jesus. And I said, you know, something like that in his face, the whole time I'm sharing, it's like, he has this look of amazement. It's like, I know that something's happening in his mind and in his heart, but he waits till I'm done. He's like, bro, he's like, you don't even know. Like this morning, I literally told my girlfriend I was going to quit vaping. And I asked God to send somebody to confirm that this is what he wants me to do. And come on. I love so that. It was just right there at a Walmart, you know, and I know <laughs> that that I kind of wrecked this guy's world. You know, I the gospel broke into this guy's life at a Walmart, you know, in, in the frozen section. All because, <laughs> you know, like me said yes. You know, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Like I'm just this mm. nervous introvert guy. And so Wow. I love that story, man. So good. Thank you for sharing. Um uh, I think most of the people that probably tune into the Presence Pioneers podcast are probably more like you or me. They're intercessors, they're worshipers, they love the presence of God, they love the prayer room. And whether they're introverts or extroverts, uh, social or not, I think for many of us, our lean is going to be that environment to spend the time in the presence of God. So what would you say to others who are like you maybe haven't found that boldness. Uh, I think the prayer walking tip is great. So I love that. Is is there anything else or even just a word of exhortation, just encouragement for people that say, God, you know, the evangelism thing is is tough. I love to worship and pray, but th- that part of it is hard. Or maybe they even don't see the value of it. Yeah, I would say over the years, just I've, you know, doing this a decade plus of living a lifestyle of mission and, and intercession, um, and those two coming together, I would say the biggest thing the Lord has taught me over the years is that it's not separate from my daily life and it's not separate from my everyday relationships. And I don't even really have to go on a prayer walk. There are people that God has placed all around me that I already have working relationships with lost people. Every week, if I were to look at my week and say, how many lost people did I see? And I wrote their names down on a piece of paper, you know, it'd probably be 20 plus. Um, and everybody has that. You might not realize it, but if you did that, if you took the time to think about that, and I would say you already spend time in the presence of God, like you already know Jesus, you already know the Holy Spirit, you're an intercessor. Who hears this voice better than you? Like you need <laughs> to step out and you need to follow the leader with the Holy Spirit. And even if it's awkward and clunky, like that's okay. You know, God honors obedience and, and that's a win. And so I would say, pray about who's around you every week. Even if it's like you go to a grocery store once a week or you get a haircut, you know, once a month, or you, you have these rhythms where you come in contact with people all the time. And that is one of the biggest ways God is, is really stretching me right now is, is really trying to integrate that in my daily life with people that are all around me all the time. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. So helpful. Thank you, Brandon. We got a few more minutes here. Maybe just, I would love for the sake of encouragement for the other pioneers, the other leaders here. I know know that it's not always easy what you've done. You've got this house of prayer. I know it's open during regular business hours, I think all throughout the week. I don't know how many hours of live worship you've got, but I know you've been building teams, training worshipers, 
you know, sitting in there yourself, enjoying the empty room at times, the normal stuff for leading and building a house of prayer. What are some of those challenges that you've had to overcome over the last few years? I would say, you know, it's tra- it's kind of translating um, from just being in the prayer room to leading others that don't have any grid for it into the prayer room and the house of prayer. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like we're in the Bible Belt. So the unique challenge there is not many people know what the house of prayer even is or, or the prayer movement at large. The, the biggest challenge is just like, it's really slow work. It's like lots of relational, just relationship building. You know, I kind of go off what John Wimber said, like it's better caught. Some things are better caught than taught. Yeah. Um, and so I just try to get around people, like let them see me minister to the Lord, let them see me in intercession and let them ask questions. And the people that want to learn will, God will bring those people around me sort of. Um, so it's really organic, a lot of meals together, a lot of, mm. you know, game nights, a lot of just doing life together with people and also doing prayer sets together, you know? I love it. So good. Well, Brandon, this has been great, man. I would say uh, if somebody wants to find out more about Take the City and Harvest House of Prayer and what you guys are doing there, is there diff- are there different ways people can connect with the ministry and with you? Yeah, absolutely. First, I would say come hang out with us. So we're in Columbus. Uh, we're off 2nd Avenue. And just come. Come check us out. I think a lot of people are amazed when they see this place. It's right in the middle of, like you said, it's like in the ghetto but it's a unique experience to have the presence of God right in the middle of, of these neighborhoods. And it's awesome. And we would love to meet you. And then another way is just go to www.takethecity.com. So all one word, takethecity.com. Good. Well, we'll put the link in the uh, description so people can find out more. And you've got information about the House of Prayer on the Take the City website. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Brandon, this is going to be super encouraging and challenging and helpful for a lot of people. So thanks for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. 